Welcome to the podcast. I'm glad Thank to you. have you. But by you saying it, it's um, you're welcome. It it has been a long time. I, I think it's like maybe 2013 was the last time I saw you. Yeah, that was that's true. I mean, I'm just thinking back to a time at Georgia Tech. It was, uh, yeah. I mean, uh, I've been from Georgia in that time to um, Florida, and now from then on to Chicago and now finally on to Toronto. I'm currently actually at my sister's place in uh, near Seattle in Washington. Mm. So that's where I'm dialing in from. Wow. You, you're going all over. You're going from the South all to the Midwest over to the West coast. That's right. <laughs> so um, I'm just happy to be here. I would love to know a bit more about your, uh, you know, what you do here at it's my time podcast just to get started. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I started this um, 2019 fall around, I think, October 2019. Nice. And the one thing I wanted to do with it was from meeting different people through college, like yourself, meeting people that I worked with while I was in college, after college. Um, I always found it interesting. You meet people from uh, all parts of the world, all parts of the country, and everyone's unique in their own way they have their own stories so i was like oh wouldn't it be neat to um podcast have a way to talk with people but put put it on a podcast platform like the conversations you have whether you're doing like you're studying for exams or you're working with somebody for long hours it's like unique conversations come out of Mm -hmm. that so i thought it'd be a neat way to highlight everyday people just people i've met in the everyday life just going about and just I figure it's it's kind of a good chance for me to share a little bit about myself be a little bit creative like get on camera record the audio figure out how that works check out the tools and things like that and just be like okay hey I haven't talked to someone in a while like let's catch up but like let's let's really catch up but also kind of give them a chance to be like oh hey like I've got something to point to now and say like I did that and if anybody asks, like, here's a short or here's something um, of mine that speaks to who I am as a person. Well, um, I'm glad you reached out. Um, it, it was it was fun getting to know you in school. Uh, I wish we had done uh, more of that together back at Georgia Tech. But I think we were both just finding a way. And uh, it, was so, it was good to hear from you from now. So um, where are you uh, based at right now? Are you still in Atlanta or are you... Have you yeah, out? I'm. I'm not too far from Atlanta. I'm about an hour out back at my parents, actually, in North Georgia, where I grew up before nice. going down to Atlanta for work. So nice. um, that that's where I'm at now. And so this is your. Uh, is it your basement office, or is yeah, it like your? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you get the soundproofing thing going, so you have that um, um, and everything. Not. I haven't done the soundproofing thing yet, but I've realized and recognized like recording on the road or just at a different environment either in the car or something like that the downstairs area it 
has somewhat of a soundproof area. And so long as mm. I'm using this microphone correctly, like speaking through it and not like over here to the side or something. I hear else, the distance. Like, yeah. Yeah. I hope you can hear me uh, yeah. loud and clear. Okay, yeah. great. You're coming yeah. through clear. Great, so, great. so, I mean, catch me up a little bit. How, how has life been for you since tech? And even if, if you want to go back before then, um, um, I guess, so to put it, uh, to give you a two minute brief on the whole journey this far, um, I came to uh, the United States about nearly eight years ago, like on August 8th, 2013. And I, that was to start with my master's journey and my master's of civil engineering at Georgia Tech. That's where I met you. Um, before that, I had finished my bachelor's uh, in 2012, I had done a four-year course in civil engineering itself uh, from India, from the University of Pune. This is a small city. It's near Mumbai. It's an upcoming city now, actually, pretty big one. Um, and uh, it was a good university uh, that that you know I had a chance to get, go to, and that set me up to in this field. And I discovered structural engineering, and I realized that if I do a master's, it would not only give me and sort of a more in-depth knowledge, but it was also my ticket to get to the U.S. and in other ways to sort of, uh, you know, become more independent, achieve something in life, you know, turn my back around and show myself to people and say, you know what, I came here, I set myself up on my own two feet. Uh, this is my idea of success. So it was always about me figuring it out on my own. Mm-hmm. And uh, Georgia Tech was my way of getting there. Uh, there was it was a journey getting to Georgia Tech as well. You know, taking the GRE at the right time after finishing school. You know, undergrad. Uh, well, I worked for a year at a uh, oil and gas uh, engineering design firm. This was uh, office. It was a Japanese firm which had an office in Mumbai, and I used to sit there and work as an engineer, just designing uh, foundations. Um, for equipment uh, processing plants that were being built in Egypt. So India, you know, as the Japanese firm was doing engineering for it. They had an office in India. I was part of the office. Uh, it was a great organization too, but I worked there for a brief time for 11 months. Mm-hmm. And then I came out to Georgia Tech. And since then, I think two years at tech turned my life around. I think I learned uh, a lot about life, uh, but a lot, lot more about the subject matter of civil engineering and got the confidence to... Uh, apply and then join Thorne Tomasetti. Uh, this is a firm based out of New York, which you know has offices all over the US. Wow. So I joined them a month after I graduated in June 2015. So June 1st, 2015 was when I started and uh, I stayed in Florida for about close to three years, two years and eight months. And in February of 2018, I moved to Chicago. Mm-hmm. So between uh, Florida in at their Florida office and at Thorn Thomas Eddy's uh, Chicago office, I've done about six years. I worked six years there, mm-hmm. and I worked almost half of the time as a design engineer, designing new buildings, mm-hmm. and then as a forensics engineer in Chicago, uh, mm-hmm. working on um, evaluating issues in existing buildings. And I think it was about the last couple of years when I figured, okay, I. I've been processing this change in my mind for a while. I think it was somewhere inside of me just even two years after graduating. But I, I wasn't ready. I think I wanted to give myself enough time in our own field and figure out if I really wanted to stick around. It was really something that I wanted to do. Um, and just the, the, the sequence of circumstances led me to kind of make that decision to apply to universities in Canada. Mm-hmm. And then I got through to the University of Toronto for my MBA. So that's where I'll be headed next. 
That's awesome. It's like you, you use, you went, you got into engineering and you use that kind of as a springboard to say, okay, I want to get to the U S master's degree. And now it's like, you're going to Canada for the, the, um, masters in business. Yeah. Uh, yes. The journey from making that, uh, leap from engineering to business has its own story, mm. but, um, I, and my decision to, to apply to schools only in Canada is, is a lot personal as well. My, I, I thought I got married in 2019. In, oh, uh, nice. Congratulations. In, thank you. Um, and my wife uh, had been living in Bangalore up till that point of time. Hmm. We had met uh, previously and then we decided to get married. Uh, it was a long distance thing that we were trying to do. Uh, so we figured, you know, that she might be able to come and join me in the U.S. and work uh, in Chicago. Hmm. Uh, but unfortunately, her visa processes just uh, kept setting us back. Um, until 2020 when it didn't look like there was any chance she was going to get a visa. And at the same time, COVID-19 struck. So it was a double double calamity for us. She was stuck in India and I was in the US. And um, it was in that time really that uh, I sort of pieced it together that one way for us to be together and also both be doing what we want to do and where we want to do is probably to go to Canada. And this was like a, it was like God's way of signaling me that, it's time that you moved up, pulled up mm-hmm. your socks and, uh, you know, applied to school, did that, made that pivot that you've been mentally preparing yourself for and talking to your close ones about. So I started studying in, in June last year, June, July, took my mm-hmm. GMAT. So it was a, a <laughs> I revisiting the concepts and studied for GRE because, you know, a lot of the stuff you study uh, and these entrance scholars, entrance exams are like similar. Mm-hmm. You get the test scores and everything and, so I, I took the exam in uh, the GMAT test in August and yeah. yeah, applied in September, October and got my admit result in the end of October. So um, it took a while, but that yeah. was that. So it was a two, two pronged approach. One was professional. Yes, I wanted to change. Mm-hmm. But also the other one was that uh, my wife needed to be able to work somewhere. And I think somewhere uh, I needed that personal uh, reason to come in and sort of give me that, hey, there is no going back here. So you might as well, you know, get this done with yeah um and so i did and, and that, that's where we are right now awesome i guess will will you be staying with the same company while doing your master's or no i i left the company um back in june last month okay. um my master's program is full-time okay so it'll be a 20-month program that starts in august uh, mm-hmm. this upcoming august and it ends on may uh, of 2023 gotcha. so just given the demands of a full-time program with you know especially in a field that's so disconnected from ours from ours like civil engineering yeah um so not working for that period just giving myself the time to fully explore the enjoy the course i think yeah that's smart that's uh, i like that i I feel that um that's something i learned very quickly in college at least i was going for my bachelor's at the time that we met but a big thing a lot of people find out with engineering it's like you can balance maybe having like you need to have a life outside of school or similar to work, but like you really have to lock in full time in order to pursue yeah. engineering. Yep. Yep. Hey, Ash, just give me yep. one second. Okay. Yeah. I'll be right back. Sorry for that, Asher. Just uh, I ended up getting a call that I wasn't expecting. So I'm going to see what that was. No problem. Um, yeah. So you were saying, yeah, I was just saying it's good. 
it's good to see you kind of um, recognize that you're going to have to commit so much time and also putting yourself in a position to say, okay, I'm going to do this full time and not yeah. work like stepping away from the company. I'm sure you had to put the funds aside in order to be able to do that. Yeah. Um, that's, I mean, the, the, it, it made a, you know, a lot of sense in one way to, to continue working if I could, uh, and then study at the same time. Cause once you start working and, and once I had started earning life has a different meaning because, uh, everything, you know, I have a lot of, a lot more control in my hands. Um, but then I also realized that the value of time is sort of, is more than money right now. It's more than the money I make right now. Mm. If I were making a different amount and, you know, I had sort of my priorities set in what I wanted to do, maybe I wouldn't have gone to school. But yeah. the idea is to learn, um, enable myself to, you know, to get a job uh, or to do something that would not only give me satisfaction, but would mm. also give me a lot more financial freedom. Mm. Um, and, and this MBA degree needed that sort of that time-intensive uh, approach. Gotcha. So what, I guess, are you looking to move away from engineering going to, as you're going to pursue your um, business degree? That is, a, that is the plan. I think uh, I'm engineering for me over the last three years in forensic engineering had become a lot more about um, coming into a problem fresh and trying to figure it out. Mm-hmm. It was an engineering problem, but at times it was also not directly pertaining to my field of structural engineering. So I thought that, um, you know, if I'm doing this, when I'm just stepping into an unknown environment and solving problems, if I'm able to get my basics in finance uh, operations and strategy in place mm-hmm. in a business setting, I could do the same thing for you know, other business problems. Mm-hmm. So, yes, I mean, uh, for me, it was a, this is a chance to sort of, broaden my uh, horizons in a way, you know, nice. um, I'll apply the same skill set that I've learned through working at Thornton study to other areas. So it would not just be engineering now. It, it could be engineering, you know, but yeah. it won't be the, the nitty gritty work that we do every day, which is running the analysis models and performing calculations. Mm-hmm. If I were, to, uh, I am looking for a consulting role to begin with, just mm-hmm. exploring that space right now, wherein I'd walk into uh, a client's office, ask them about their problems, look at the data that they give me that helps me understand the problem mm-hmm. and figure something out for them. And this could be varied, you know, uh, in, in all types, in all sectors and even beyond the uh, industry of construction. Gotcha. I guess, what what was your engineering experience like work-wise um, getting out of college? And I guess, what was it like? Well... What was it like? Maybe I should back up. What got you into civil engineering when you were um, like first starting out? Like what made you think, okay, I'm going to go to college and I'm going to go get like go study civil engineering. So um, I think the first thing that drew me towards civil engineering was uh, I think it was in 11th grade or 11th grade when we uh, started getting exposed to uh, physics in high school. Mm. And uh, to me, just the concepts of work, power, energy, and spending time figuring out how things move uh, was highly interesting. It was the part of, I think, amongst the three subjects between physics and chemistry and biology, I enjoyed that the most. I thought it was 
very satisfying mm-hmm. and that's where i got the idea that okay um this this might be a field that I might be interested in it, it would be either civil engineering or mechanical so when i had the option of choosing mm-hmm. i had actually preferred to go with the course in mechanical engineering in another school mm-hmm. but uh, my second option was civil engineering in in my undergrad and in you know as it fell that's how i that's what i got so i was mm-hmm. pretty happy with it though i think it had more of an overlap with those initial concepts in physics that i had studied back in 11th grade so that was my motivation you know to be able to uh, solve problems that you can see around you mm-hmm. uh, i didn't quite understand fully grasp what having loads on buildings mean meant at that time back yeah. when i was 18 or 19 cuz i was just stepping into undergrad and i would i could you could see cars moving and i could imagine them stopping and starting at separate velocities mm-hmm. but imagining uh, a you know a wind hitting a building yes you could imagine that but you couldn't quantify that mentally it wasn't like it was a speed or it was something that you you felt on an everyday basis mm-hmm. uh but the more i thought about what our professors were telling us i think it took me um i guess it took me a few years to completely get uh, immerse myself in the field of civil engineering so it was about uh, i think one of the things i liked most in while i was in undergrad was the the design of concrete and steel structures mm-hmm. just the analysis part too i think the professor would just go on the board he would replicate a beam with a straight line he would put loads on it and then he would tell you to figure out how to solve it like what are the reactions what are the moment and shear force diagrams and those were like the initial days when i would spend hours just looking at a beam trying to figure out how to make it if you added a moment pin here and if you you know just coming up with ways to play around with it mm-hmm. <laughs> and it, it was like um it was a fun way to stimulate my mind i think for me it was more about mental stimulation than anything else and that's why i like uh, so that's what drew me to civil engineering was physics yeah. and then that's what kept me in it the structural engineering awesome and I, i guess with structural engineering when you're able to see it like on a masters degree level and then going to work in florida like you did did you find that the two correlated closely yes um very much so i think the you remember the concrete course we had we had with dr khan um mm-hmm. were, and then the precess concrete course that he took in i think he he used to take that in the spring courses and then the concrete he used to take in the fall courses the reinforced concrete yeah both those co- uh, programs or both those courses within the program um really helped me get a good grasp on what concrete and precess concrete generally were and in florida uh, tt my company at that time tom tom shady did a lot of uh, was trying to get into the space of doing uh, high rise condominiums um as you know the market in miami is it has been hot for a while it's been um sort of the, these types of buildings keep coming up and our yeah. company is trying to make a name there and they have now mm-hmm. uh, we joined a pretty i mean new office there we were about close to 30 or 35 people so it was a good tight unit mm-hmm. um and uh, just yeah i mean the 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 knowledge that i had gotten from georgia tech uh, sort of correlated directly it helped me start up these models and you know learning uh, analytical software was easy on the job but uh, what helped me was being able to correlate that with the, with the work so i knew what the concepts were behind designing a particular slab or a particular beam because mm-hmm. we would in school go to the codes take out the same book you know open up the same pages try and figure out okay this is what this says yeah so having done that exercise uh, i felt confident and i think at georgia tech they <laughs> make you <laughs> 
you have to be confident and good at what you do because that's the situation they keep putting you in time and time again through the yeah. course. So more than about the high tech learning, it's about how well do you perform under pressure and how well yeah. can you, are you able to back yourself under pressure? You know, yeah. I had a few incidences at tech. I remember working with uh, Dr. White on a course in the fall of 2014. I took an extra semester because I wanted to wait till mm. spring of 2015 for the steel design course. Mm. I missed it out the first time because I ended up dedicating my time between finite element and multi hazards. Mm-hmm. So I didn't want to take finite element analysis, multi hazards and steel. So I figured I'll take steel the next year in, in spring of 2015. Yeah. So in the winter in the in the fall semester of 2014 I took a course in the theory of elastic stability. which was a precursor to his uh, direct analysis method course in 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 steel design mm. so the theory of elastic stability was a really phd level course only seven students and i think i was one of the i was perhaps the only masters candidate over there so at the end of the course everybody had to prepare a uh, had to write a paper and present it mm. and it was my only attempt in school trying to write a paper and squeezing that in with all the other demands in that semester and also the level of uh, excellence that dr white uh, expects from his students mm-hmm. um was a learning experience for me and I, i didn't end up getting a very good grade but the fact that i could finish it mm-hmm. and present it gave me tremendous confidence i was like all right if i can do this under pressure i think i can i can figure out problems in the industry too when yeah. i get there man that that's awesome you just you just reminded me of something um one of the professors said I'm blanking on his name but I I took him for structural analysis too. And um he's the one that worked with Dr. Emkin to um create G2 strudel. Oh yeah. Um I'm trying to remember who for structural analysis too. I think it was was it an Asian professor uh, professor no. I think. No, it no. wasn't. Oh, it wasn't. It's an um older Caucasian professor, not Dr. Khan but uh ah uh dr ken lawrence i think it was ken lawrence or it was no. ken something mm, i'll i'll look it up later but yeah me but too. <laughs> i i just remember <laughs> i remember speaking to him and i i stopped by his, his office hours because i think the last semester they were over in the biltmore because they were doing the reconstruction on the building and um i remember him telling me something where it was like at the end of the semester and I was so focused on like okay I, I'm just struggling to like get to the finish line it's like everything's just stacking on top of each other this last semester and it's like all you got to do is finish finish well and one thing he told me is like it it doesn't matter how you start but it's how you finish and I was sitting there kind of mulling it over in my head thinking man I really wish that I I could finish this well like finish with an a in the class or finish with mm-hmm. a b because like a big thing with undergraduates it's like if you can maintain a 35 gpa that qualifies you to get into graduate school but i think before that semester when he told me this i had taken myself out of that by i think one or two grades but something the reason why it comes back to mind now it's because it's like the quote unquote finishing is not just about like the course that he was talking about or at least this is how I'm choosing to use his words is that the finish is like until you basically die so to speak not to make it too deep but at least applying it in that sense to say hey I know, if you start yeah. off rocky like you still 
have room to to grow you still have room to learn so don't don't treat it as like oh man i'm not making this grade it's not it's not coming together the world feels like the floor feels like it's falling out from underneath me but it's like hey like however you started is however you started the important things that you finish and do your best to finish as well as you can i uh, couldn't have that's a really good saying um and that's something that i've experienced uh in my life over both my educational as well as professional career and time at Pant Thomasetti as well um one of the things that i kept uh finding myself uh being challenged by was uh finishing projects strongly you know when you're in the middle when you start a project there's a lot of enthusiasm there's a lot of learning curve so you're very motivated but when you reach towards the end is when you actually are almost done there is very little work left but it is so important to keep your patience then and just finish strong making sure that you're encapsulating every single idea every single uh, analytical viewpoint and then presenting a final result uh just i mean i think in i think that and that also applies then in life like yes you can do everything right in the first 75 80% and that last lap last 20% um very true yeah <clears throat> very true <laughs> sorry I, i didn't mean to get distracted for a second i was like i'll look over here and i'll find him but it's like maybe i won't find him just yet because i i didn't want it, i didn't want the time mm-hmm. to go by and i'm just like no oh, you're thinking about <laughs> but no that's <laughs> the um i don't i don't know if he still would have been there because it's like i know dr khan that taught um i had him for timber and masonry that was the or masonry i'm sure somebody's going to be like you didn't pronounce it right but it was um thinking back to some of the professors a lot of them i i know were looking to retire mm-hmm. so it's like whether it was dr will kenneth will it was kenneth will yeah. yes yeah. i think i had the kenneth locked in but uh yeah he found him as yeah. i was as before <laughs> me <laughs> i was trying to i was trying to google for him as well i found dr khan yeah because uh yeah <laughs> and then you got dr zurich with the um he oh the, yes he was the wait dr zurich taught steel right or concrete doctor no. he i think he taught steel for the undergraduates and then he taught uh, uh polymer i guess wait he taught uh, yeah fiber reinforced polymer uh, or i should say non destructive uh, design and design methods i guess analysis and design methods to yeah. uh, and he's no. also an expert witness so he he's a mm. he's an expert in in uh, fiber reinforced polymers that was an aspect he often brought into his classrooms i don't know if you experienced that i know um i want to say maybe he gave us an example from time to time but i was thinking about um <laughs> i know we're geeking out for a bit but i was thinking about <laughs> um i i think he went to the university of virginia tech but when i got there in my undergraduate i think i started 20 I was there from 2011 summer to 2013 fall and I think it was like 
I'm not, but it was just something about his excitement for concrete. And every time that he would say it, he'd be like concrete. Like, how do you guys not know this? Because a big thing that a lot of the professors valued and they kind of shared with us is like in learning the technical side of the work, it's good to actually be out there and get your hands dirty, like mixing this, knowing, okay, this is how this goes together. I'm sure like, um, Dr. White that you mentioned earlier, he's big on connections. Like a lot of people mm -hmm. would take him for his connections class where it's like he would talk about that for so much. Like Dr. Main, he's the big foundations professor as well as Professor Burns. They, yep. They're they just like everything that's below the ground, like they've mastered that thing. And it's it's good to like not only in catching up with you, it's like you're reminded of these people and you're reminded that, okay, there's there's a reason why you get excited to do this thing. Like, of course, you're in school, you're kind of in a little bubble, but then once you get out into the real world, you might get smacked around a little bit. But to your point, it's like you've built some resiliency going to tech and other um, high-level skills, which constantly challenge you and push you to be like, okay, why are all my teachers conspiring to have four or five exams due in the, in the same week, the same day with tests, projects and everything just back to back to back to back to back. But it's like, well, sometimes you might just have to deal with that one day unbeknownst to yeah. you. It's um, um, I think Georgia Tech had that the type of setup which you know if you as a student wanted to do well in each and every course you just had to um, make sure you just turned up every day to to give your best um, and not worry about the results I think one of the things that I learned at tech was to enjoy the flow of things um, as try and enjoy it as much as I could uh, whilst also working towards the end results Mm -hmm. because uh, just worrying about what your final grade in a particular course would be was just too stressful if you did that for four separate courses, yeah. you know, at one time. And as international students uh, doing a master's program there, we had to take four courses because we had to maintain 12 credits a semester. Right. And man, just managing four courses at one time in, a, in that program was uh, was a lot of work. And I think... Um, I think it was great. I think I had a great time. It mm -hmm. uh, taught me a lot of things about time management and also about maximizing my potential. You know, if I'm strong at something, let's try and figure out what I'm weak at. Let's try and address that. Yeah, that's awesome. I noticed, um, like, whenever I, I've been trying to catch up on LinkedIn, like, I'll I'll post some of the podcasts just to be like, hey, here's an episode just as an update to what I'm doing, and it in a way, whenever I first started this, it fit, seemed like a big variation from engineering because I, I went the route of like getting out with the undergraduates because I, I wanted to figure out like, okay, how much of this can I actually do versus is it just, yeah, this is a nice theory, but like when it comes time to build it, like how can you build it? But um, as I was checking on, on LinkedIn, I noticed that you and um, two other people that we went to school with, maybe more, worked at the same company. And I was like, man, I guess they, they recruit a lot of Georgia Tech students. Or you guys kind of paired up and like, hey, we're going to go take the company over. 
Yeah, they, um, so Thorn and Tomaselli uh, started out in New York and they branched out to the major cities first. I think the second office was in Chicago, a very big office in North America. And then they went to San Francisco. But when they realized they needed a presence in, in the mid-Atlantic South, I think uh, Atlanta's market was already very competitive with a lot mm-hmm. of good firms like Walter P. Moore and Ozone and Case. Mm-hmm. So they decided to come down to Florida, but in Florida, they had uh, DC Moon engineering, consulting engineers from also from New York based there. But other than that, they were looking to set up shop there and, and also diversify what they did. Yeah. So for them, the premier school in that region between Florida, Georgia, the Carolinas, I think they identified Georgia Tech. So I was really lucky in that the principal of that office of Thorne Thomas in Florida actually came to the school himself along with one of our classmates i don't know if you remember carolina yeah yeah um, that's that's whose name what came to mind at first yeah she's doing really well at current on the she's uh, you know done wonderfully for herself over the last seven years she uh, and i took a couple of courses together when she was in her senior year of her masters i think she was finishing it up mm-hmm. um and i had just started so she uh recognized me from the recruiting session that they had conducted and that's how I got drafted. And then nice. when I came back, I identified a couple of people. So we now developed this steady stream of uh, young uh, Georgia Tech grads coming into TT's office in Florida. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's been like that ever since. So I joined there with Eddie Diaz and uh, yeah. Carolina Simmons and, and a few other of my uh, upper classmates. Gotcha. And uh, these guys are still there. So Yeah. It's funny because I think once I saw the thing from you, I was like, okay, Carolina's there, TJ's there, Eddie's there. It's like, man, okay, cool. <laughs> and just just kind of seeing the, the company you keep or the people you you can aspire to be around, it's like, it's always, it's encouraging just to know that like you guys were always about, um, like about your business, about your work. Like it's, um, you can have like if you have somebody that shows up and it's kind of like yeah it'd, it'd be nice like I deserve this position because but when you have to put up with not only the work that you do at school but the work that you do on the everyday it's like I think the results speak for themselves and how you guys are able to to get along with what it is that you're asked to provide or the the problems you're asked to solve well, yes, I think um, our training at tech and just our attitude towards our homework at, uh, itself sort of determined, uh, um, sort of laid the foundations for a lot of the, uh, you know, a lot of our basic attitude towards work given to us or jobs, projects given to us at, at TT. Mm-hmm. Um, once they found somebody from Thorntown City who performed well, they set a standard and when we came in, we made sure that we got in people from tech who we believe would best uh, epitomize that level of mm-hmm. performance and uh, keep the name of our school up. Yeah. And uh, I think uh, kudos to the way they, you know, to, to the learning system there and to the determination of the students who come in. You know, you can see that coming through that hunger and just that the passion they bring to, towards, you know, the discipline towards their work. Yeah. I think um, when I graduated and joined ET, every single assignment that was given to me for at least the first year, I think my life was all about making sure that um, 
I put in my best in in that um, to, to the work in the most accurate and the quickest time because in design you have to be aware of the implications of how much time you're taking to finish a particular task if you can optimize it mm-hmm. to optimize your own learning skills to learn things faster and uh, you can save your your uh, business a lot of money the company a lot of money uh, you'll then also obviously be a person who'll be regarded highly in that particular field of design so you'll be given more work right um and that's something i i picked up on pretty quickly so when i started at uh tt in florida they had me doing post tension slab design on the first day and it took me about 3 days to come up with my first slab when they had introduced me to the software so i spent uh, a couple of days understanding the software and i finished the first run for the design in the first day mm-hmm. and they were delighted with the fact that i could get them a result a result uh in 3 days and then i worked for a few more days to fine tune it but i think that sort of also was good and bad in a way that they realized okay i got the hang of this so they pretty much had me doing that for the next 3 years and i worked about uh, on about 7 to 8 projects where i did slab designs for buildings one after the other mm. i mean i think overall that my take take away from that was highly positive because that set me up to then go on to forensics in chicago and then work look at post tension slab issues yeah. uh, from a forensic angle Yeah. So design the rigors of design set me up to get really good at uh, creating an analytical models because that's mm-hmm. what you do in design right in our field you you take parameters you set you set up a model you keep refining that model day in day out so what that makes you is very good at handling this particular kind of software mm-hmm. um and when you have to look at it from a forensic point of view later in the you know when the building's made and there are issues with it you use the code but you have to apply your hypotheses through models and that's mm. where it helps for you to create a model again and if you're quick in doing that then so anybody working with you the principal working with you is going to be um very dependent on your skill set so that yeah. set me up for success in chicago as well because i i had something with me that i could bring on the table 3 years into my engineering um and i enjoyed that i think i i reaped the benefits of that hard work that's amazing the i i like how you were able to um how you're able to speak to your experience but also what what you gained from it because uh, i think that that's something that's very important what um one thing that i felt kind of i didn't spend as much time in an engineering role per se where it was more design but in a construction role i spent more time as a, a liaison and something that's very much needed as you step into whatever role it is you take being a graduate is that you have to have like confidence in yourself and confidence in your ability to perform the work but something that became a challenge for me was kind of feeling that um, imposter syndrome immediately going to like orientation day 1 like that first week it's like people are just showing up like oh yeah yeah I'm here I'm here and I'm like huh Am I going to do this? Like <laughs> do I belong here? Do I really graduate like starting to just ask all these questions, but it's like it it kind of went away and came back in in different waves and then um eventually for me needing to step away like in 2019 and like deal with some of the basics like getting proper rest, nutrition, dealing with mental health and those types of things. is that anything you had to deal with yourself or did you do 
a well enough job to maintain um, the main things for you to not let your personal life affect your professional work life? That's a good question. Um, and one that's often not discussed as much, I would say. Uh, for me, uh, being uh, away from my parents who are based in India and living here in the US, I think I intuitively realized the, 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 the enormity of that situation. Um, I realized after graduating from tech when once the euphoria has settled down of joining a job and starting things that um, this was going to be a an everyday thing, right? I was going to manage my life, my uh, single life, sort of figuring my way out through things. Uh, there's no school now so that um, you're in, out in the real world. Um, I would say I, I I took it on bracingly. I, I enjoyed the challenge of uh, exploring. You know, I would... When I went to Florida, I struggled initially to make a few friends until a year later when some of my friends from Georgia Tech joined in. Um, I discovered that making friends here in the U.S., uh, for me as an international person, not having the background that most people automatically share, that sense of common things, you know, experiencing common experiences of growing up, uh, it was a challenge for sure to connect with people. I could connect better with international people, but they were... Uh, different, obviously from different backgrounds again, obviously the expat experience was something that I could share. But having my friends from Georgia Tech who were from my home country had meant that they had also gone through the same journey that I had. And I was very lucky to have uh, one of them who's also one of my very close friends uh, become my roommate in Miami. Mm. So when um, I would or he would be fed up with just the struggles and the routine and the monotony of work and other things in life that come with it, um, we would turn to each other and just, you know, sort of lean on each other's, our friendship really to, to see us through those, those days. Um, yeah. When I left Miami to move to Chicago, I decided to try out living alone. Um, and I wanted to really experience what it is to live as a, uh, you know, I would say a full-blown adult, sort of mm -hmm. making it out on your own, making sure you take care of all your bills, mm -hmm. you're handling all the ex the expenses, uh, you don't have any, you have complete ownership of your time outside of work. Uh, for me, uh, making it in Chicago uh, by myself without my friends as the safety blanket was extremely tough in the first few months. I think I quickly... Uh, I think that's where I kind of more realized who I was, but at the same time, what <clears throat> uh, what, what were the things that were important to me uh, at that time? So I was lucky then for that in, in, in a matter of, I guess, six to eight months, I ended up meeting my partner, my wife, and uh, we I sort of had her uh, as a companion mm -hmm. to for me to uh, see things through, and we bonded well uh, when we met and and i think that she was my support and is my support to this day nice. um, but nonetheless uh, i i can understand uh, there there have been times especially with covid and and with the fact that we've had her uh, immigration struggles where uh, I, my mental health has taken a beating i think 
when i started seeing a couple of gray hairs at the back of my head uh, this last few months i realized that that probably taken the stress had taken a toll on me yeah. um i i i have become more cognizant of the fact that yes sometimes the stress goes unsaid silent killer this whole mm-hmm. thing especially the weight that is associated with immigration procedures in the united states um adds to a lot of the stress um but uh, i found my little releases i think having my sister close to me and as in being close to my sister who's also now based in the us mm. having some family here having my wife uh, with me just uh, talking to them when i needed to uh, share things my problems so i think that helped me a lot that's good. it was my way of uh, therapy really turning to family and uh, leaning on them and them doing the same uh, when they were in, in any kind of problem but yes that that aspect was i i did feel some of that now that i think about it in retrospect maybe actively at that time i mm-hmm. i didn't as much address it in that form yeah and i think about it like there was a lot of uh, yeah mental health was uh, precipitous yeah at certain times yeah i i think I, i like what you said like it's not something maybe necessarily that gets talked about too much and when i think about it in retrospect of how it's talked about sometimes not talking about it too much isn't a bad thing so long as it's being addressed because like a big part of something that i found to be helpful with mental health it's like physical activity communications with family like with people around you kind of feeling that you belong in community not being isolated for too long and not get letting work and other things in life kind of like overwhelm you like knowing hey if i need to take a break for a weekend like go take some personal time go plan a trip go go do something that you maybe wouldn't normally do but find a way to be creative in your own way or just interact with the people you care about and that care about you but i was i'm curious to know not not to make it like somber or too deep per se but how did you meet your wife that's a good story too i think um it's uh and and it's also a different topic but uh i guess just to get into it uh, in in our culture uh, meeting people um or meeting your life partners is not always uh, something that you do by yourself mm-hmm. so my parents have grown up in a culture where and their parents uh, found their life partners for them mm-hmm. uh, but my parents were with the times a little more accommodating in that day and i worked together to to look for my life partner so we would talk mm-hmm. to um, they knew their son was based in the us mm-hmm. uh, they knew uh, that they wished for me to marry an indian person a person of the same background mm-hmm. because they believed in preserving the culture yeah and uh, i shared that sentiment with them despite my experiences here in the us so I uh figured that uh, if I could find somebody who is from my background in his you know has the same has had the same experiences growing up but mm-hmm. uh, also shares that world view that is similar to mine it's the same as finding somebody here you know because that's eventually the person I would end up uh, being with anyway so yeah. um colloquially that's like you know it's also known as arranged marriage but what I would say mm-hmm. that uh here it's that it's i look at it as a combined decision you know between you and your parents because in in our culture it's a 
it's a union between two families because families help you support you a long way when it comes to right the initial years when you're getting used to each other having a good bond with my wife's parents and her family overall helped me become closer to her as well hmm. um, so that's so i met my wife in uh, chicago for the first time but we had connected uh, over phone before mm-hmm. she was in bangalore and this was in august of 2018 Mm-hmm. and uh we started talking when i was in in uh, chicago and uh, we we got connected through our to mutual family that was based in atlanta so she had some family in atlanta i had some family in atlanta and, and mm-hmm. that's how we connected nice I, that's pretty cool I, um if you want to get into more of the details feel free to like um <laughs> it's funny when you when you mention it um like it the assumption popped up in my head but it's like i didn't want to just assume like hmm did arranged marriage come up as a thing because a friend of mine um growing up i think like the town that i'm in now i i went to 5th grade here so like 5th grade through high school graduated and then went on um like we were kind of like a melting pot in 5th grade where it was like one school of all 5th graders so you had people that were um his like the hispanic mm-hmm. population in the area is very high so i grew up with a lot of hispanic friends and teammates different things like right. that different people um in sports and and what not and one of the guys that i came to know um vinny or vanamara lada um i reached out to him recently because it's like I think he'd gotten married and his background is from India. I don't know which part of India, but I think he went through the arranged marriage process, but uh I was talking with someone earlier this year on the podcast and we were talking about marriage and she was just like from her background or her standpoint like being a teenage mom and um kind of going through that process of raising boys and just just to where she's like for her it it just wouldn't make sense having someone choose um a mate for her that she would have to like learn to fall yeah. in love with because one of the things she said was that people are very good liars so, so it's like you got to be very um keen on how someone presents themselves and like what you're willing to expect, accept and not accept that's a that's a good point and and definitely a concern that i've heard from a lot of people where they say when you go in and you meet somebody with the intention of getting married i think people often project their best qualities because they know that this conversation is leading there where you are making a decision in your mind um but i i would like to present an alternative scenario where yes, you please. can date a person for 3 years and 5 years um or more and and you still don't people still present themselves in a certain way that seems to make them more favorable to you and you don't realize it until many years in i think any long term relationship whether it starts from an arranged or a you know non arranged perspective is a uh, is a risk you always have that going in where you don't know everything about a person mm-hmm. and this is where i think where people have the concern with that you know in arranged marriage you're talking to a person with the intention of getting married mm-hmm. you might be um you might be you know uh, taken for a ride so and so this is where your family and their experience really also comes in mm-hmm. and 
you know, marriages that are not arranged have, you know, have other reasons why they don't, they won't work. Yeah. I think um, you mentioned like learning to love. I think that, that's a, that's a true point that you learn to love a person. Sometimes you, you love them immediately, but here's the thing, like sustained love and mm-hmm. commitment is always a choice. It's a, it's not something that you feel you're hardwired mm-hmm. into doing. It's, it's always uh, at some point, at some level, it's, it's a decision you make in your mind. You said, yes, this is the person I'm going to be with. This is the way I want to commit to this person. And you do that. So it's the same thing in arranged marriage, the way it works in love marriage. At the core of it, they're very similar. Mm-hmm. The, you, the exterior mold could be different. So that's where I think that, and that's how I would rest my case with that. Mm-hmm. Um, that there is this love hidden in everything. It's just it, it's uh, packaged in a different way. Yeah. I like that. You, you presented that very well. And um, I, I like that um, to your point, there's communication with your, with not only your parents and you guys talking about this, but also with her family and like everybody kind of having a seat at the table and presenting what it is that they want to where it's it, not kind of just like surprise. No, it, yeah, it definitely wasn't that I, in my, in my particular case, at least, uh, it so happened that my, my parents were here in the U.S. visiting me when we first found out about Juhi, my wife. Mm-hmm. And uh, so she was in Bangalore and my brother and my sister-in-law are also based in Bangalore. So that's when they met, um, you know, her parents, her along with met my brother and my sister-in-law. And mm-hmm. they just met, had a chat, had some coffee, had some food, and they came back and they knew they were meeting for this purpose. But their idea was to get a sense from that person. And I... Uh, have relied growing up on my brother's judgment mm-hmm. and when my brother told me that she's a lot similar to you I think you guys would be a good fit mm-hmm. uh, that gave me a lot of confidence going forward in fact it gave me more confidence than my me alone making yeah. decisions um, because sometimes I would feel a certain way about a person but I, I wouldn't have anybody else who would give me their impression mm-hmm. when I got to know her this is one of the first things I picked up on mm-hmm. and it has stayed consistently you know it, it has been consistent to what he read into so um it i think it worked out favorably i think that's maybe fate or destiny it was how it was meant to work out but it that that's how that happened that's awesome so you're three years in almost uh no just over two we got married two. in May oh, of 2019. Right, right. 2019 um, i'm sitting here already s- skipping years just like oh it's, it's been 20 years <laughs> One of those years was COVID year, man. So it was, uh, it's been weird. We haven't had uh, two full years together. We did a lot. Mm-hmm. We did a fair bunch of it. I think about nine months of it long distance. Mm-hmm. Um, but she's been in the US since last year, August. Uh, so we've been living together since then. And then nice. previously, we she moved briefly with me. Gotcha. And, uh, came with me to the US after we got married in India. And then she had to go back uh, to wait for her visa to renew. So. It's been it's been a different kind of struggle there. But, yeah. But well, yeah. You, you got married like pre-pandemic, so you had a chance to do like the ceremonies and all, yeah. and all of that. Yeah. That thinking about crowds and social distancing wasn't the thing then. So. <laughs> Man, I, I guess I, as um, I'm not going to keep you much longer, um, but I, I appreciate all the time that you've given me so far. Um, as we kind of wrap up, what is something that you gained from 2020? 
let's see uh <laughs> 2020 took a lot from me i think i um in terms of the i, I would say the the biggest thing i i took out of 2020 was uh, resiliency uh just finding the inner strength within myself to keep pushing uh through the some of the toughest months i think in my life but i knew that my wife didn't have her visa to to sustain a job in the us and i wanted to move away from my job and you know we still wanted to make sure we wanted to set things up um in the middle of that figuring out a path and sticking to it and realizing that path to today um 2020 is when a lot of that happened when i got my first admit on the 8th of october i think i felt like the the, the whole texture of the year changed you know then i realized okay i finally achieved it and then on the 24th i got my uh, admission offer letter from uh, rotten school of management at the university of toronto so i knew that we had a choice we could either go to the first school which was in india or we could go uh, to canada and then you know it uh, the whole year was like this massive struggle uh, mental struggle mm. for me mm. it was i was alone i knew i had to figure things out there was a threat of covid i think it's not looking good overall but just finding that that conviction to keep going nice that helped i think yeah that's that's good like yeah 2020 was was a year but i think i'm glad like towards the end of it you you had like one thing after another like it's kind of came up out of all the the i guess mishaps or not having what it is that you wanted and kind of being able to see the the gleam or the light at the end of the tunnel yeah it um it, when i look back and i think about the year i i feel happy um that you know things turned out the way they did obviously like you said you know it's the finish that matters and how however you start is it's not something you can control but what you the end result is something that you can always work towards so i think it was year of striving and then finally seeing that light at the end of the tunnel <laughs> so happy to awesome. wait and and one last question for you um i always like to ask a guest is who do you say you are that's uh <laughs> that's a deep one isn't it um if somebody does ask me i i like to say that i'm a dreamer that's that's my first word and i like to define it and it sounds uh, well i'm often conscious when i say it but i think it's a dreamer and a thinker is where i would put myself uh, i imagine i visualize uh, i dream i fantasize and that gives me a lot of the the strength the visualization gives me a lot of strength to push through and strive towards achieving it, it gives me that vision right mm. if we don't have that then um you don't jump out of bed for in the morning you need to find that within you right that um and and i think just by dreaming it it's just me i mean what i mean to say is essentially that i spent i spend a fair amount of time in my head uh it helps me keep my sanity or uh, keep myself going and that's how i find my motivation and drive awesome that that was a great answer i i, I mean there's there's never a wrong answer but it's always great to see um where everyone takes it differently because it's like you can either you can go deep or you can 
just say what's on the top of your mind or even just like saying, okay, this is my name. This is who I belong to, or this is my family lineage. <laughs> but I very yeah. much appreciate that, that, um, it, and it makes sense to what you're saying of like who you are. It, it points to like how you saw the value in your education and your work and, um, setting up your life through marriage and kind of like going forward and being able to be like, okay, like possibilities are endless. <laughs> yeah. So I, th I think it's a better way to look at life, uh, you know, keep trying to strive for that thing. Even if you don't get it, you just will land somewhere and you'll feel like you didn't spend your life thinking I didn't do anything. It's just like, Oh, I kept trying. Right. Uh, trying is what keeps me going. I'd say, but yeah, uh, that's, that's the answer I've always wanted to give, waiting for somebody to ask me that question. <laughs> <laughs> hey, but now you gave it. It's recorded. It'll it's live, on there. It lived in the world forever. <laughs> well, thanks so much for having me and for reaching out, Asher. It's been great talking to you after all these years. And I do hope, like, even outside this podcast, you keep in touch. Um, yeah. Keep me posted on what you're doing and where you are. And, and if you want to get together for a coffee chat again, record it. Otherwise I'd be happy to. <laughs> Likewise. I, um, so you're, are you in Chicago now or are you on your way to Canada already? I am in uh, near Seattle now. Uh, oh, that's right. That's just right. spending the summer here at my sister's, but I will be in Chicago later this month, uh, okay. taking a U-Haul and driving across to Toronto, the 25th. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. Well, Toronto's not too far. I, I remember yeah. I think it was visiting um what's the, the city on, on the US side of Toronto that's closest? Is it Detroit? Oh, I think Detroit, yeah. Okay. And I was like, Oh, I, I didn't realize it was right there, but we'll we'll make it happen. If if nothing else, um I'll send you my number and we can always text, call, or just just something. I'll I'll make sure to check in by the end of the month just so that um we keep in touch. Just definitely, touch, man. Touch I think um, it is great to you know just hear from you after all this while. It's always good to talk to somebody about school and just about the time there. And I think uh, I took a trip down memory lane along with you as well today. Just it was good thinking about hearing the names of those professors too yeah. Um, yeah. that we both studied under and learned so much from. Uh, I went to Georgia Tech last. It was in March because I wanted my wife to see the school that I had begun my journey here in the U.S. with. And so I was really happy that we were both able to visit the Mason building. Mm -hmm. She was able to sit in the classroom uh, with me. And it just, it was surreal. <laughs> it was good being there. That's amazing. Well, take care. And until next time. Thank you. Man. Thank you. Have a good uh, rest of the day and uh, hope to hear from you again. Yes, sir. See you, Asher. Bye, TJ. Bye.